This is the Fire Dog Podcast. The views and opinions presented on today's episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Welcome, my name is Matt Wilson, and thank you for joining us for episode 20 of the Fire Dog Podcast. Our guests today are joining us from Lewis F. Garland Fire Academy at Goodfellow Air Force Base in San Angelo, Texas. They both serve as academy instructors and are here today to fill us in on what has changed in recent history, what it's like serving as an instructor, and how they've dealt with teaching during the COVID-19 pandemic. Please welcome Jeffrey Van Rees and Cody Simpson. So Jeff, we'll start with you. How long have you been at the academy and what do you teach? Hey, so I've been at the academy for about two years now. I started off in the fire suppression course and then I moved on over to the fire inspector courses and I was instructor for a little while there and now I'm the the course chief. Cool. How long have you been at the academy? I've been there for about two years now. Cody, what about you? I'll ask you the same question. How long have you been there and what do you do? Yeah, so I've been here just over a year now and I teach in the suppression block where he started out, which is where all the fun stuff happens where we get to do all the live burns except for the ARF burns. And uh, yeah, all the fun stuff like extrication and most of the outdoor stuff. Cody, how long have you been in the Air Force? Oh, man, I, I'm coming up on like about 13 years now. Sweet. Jeff, what about you? Yeah, about, it'll be 11 years in uh, September. Nice. So between the two of you, man, a handful of years in the Air Force and at the Academy. So excited to have you on and talk about the Academy. We get a lot of people contacting us about episode ideas or topic ideas, and we've had a handful of them ask about the Fire Academy. Uh, what has changed? What's going to change? What are the new airmen like? What order do we teach the courses? Stuff like that. And I, I know myself included, I'm, I'm curious about what has changed and uh, kind of what it's like now. So can you guys tell us how many courses of training there are and in what order they go? Jeff, I guess you can answer that. And yeah, we've got five courses going right now. We start off with EMR, and that's mainly for the student safety. So that way they already know how to handle an emergency situation. If, uh, if one of them goes down on the training pad, it kind of helps us out with an initial assessment of, uh, of what's going on in there and just get more eyes on and just better treatment for the students. And then the second block is the fundamentals where they learn to put on all their gear. And then you go into suppression and then hazmat and ARF. So currently we have five, five courses. And EMR is first. It is. I heard a rumor, it was a few years ago, that they were going to make EMR last so that it was the last thing that the students learned. And because we have, because 80% of our call volume is medical, that it would be the thing that they remembered the most. Do you guys hear that too? Or was that an idea at any point? Do you know? So initially it was um, at the end of the block. I think it was actually at the tail end uh, when I was going through. Um, but because of, know, the heat injuries and, and things like that. So that's why they decided to move it to, to the beginning. And then if we want to, during like the suppression block or an ARF even, they can add some minor like medical events in there for like victim, victim extraction and things like that. Have you seen students be hands-on and treating patients during training? Like, like actual-, actual real world? Yeah, medicals. Oh, so they assist with um, with re- removing them from like the the structures um, when they do go down, and um, a lot of the times there's plenty of instructors around, so it's almost you know giving them that EMR cert right up front is almost like a safety net just in case we're not around at the moment. So I haven't personally seen anybody actually carry it out, but maybe Cody has. 
No, I haven't. But I have seen some talk about moving EMR to the front because with the new addition to the National Registry that it's uh, gone to, it's become a lot more difficult, obviously, to uh, pass that test than it was just the standard EMR that we were doing. And so it didn't make a lot of sense training them for, you know, 50, 60 days and then them making it to EMR and they, you know, couldn't pass the EMR stuff. So they put it uh, at the beginning because that's actually where a lot of our, our washouts were coming from. Yeah, that makes sense. I never thought about that. And with the with the addition of EMT potentially, you know, that's even more difficult than EMR is. So it would make sense to want them to do that first just in case they don't pass so you don't waste anybody's time. So how is the hands-on training delivered? Is it like individualized or do we put people in groups and train them that way? Yeah, so with suppression course, all except for three objectives are going to be team evaluated objectives. So you have your two tests, you have your mid-block test and your end-of-block test, and then you have your hose pulls. Those three are the only individual ones that everything else is going to be as a team member because we, we really want them to have that experience and a little bit of training, trying to work together as a team, having somebody kind of take the lead and uh, let them know what's going on and what they need to be doing. It also helps them out to, you know, with their communication. Yeah, I can understand wanting to work as a team. I mean, you're going to show up to a fire department and have to work as a team on an engine company or crash truck. Right. Do you think that students have the opportunity to maybe get away with not necessarily knowing everything that they should and leaning on some of the stronger members of their team? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how, how we should answer that one. Uh, it, it, it is it is possible for some weaker team members to be carried by if they have a really strong team. Mm-hmm. But as instructors, we do try to watch for that and try to mix it up so that doesn't happen. Uh, or if uh, if we can obviously tell someone's just not getting it, uh, we can we can watch them back even without them necessarily having to fail an objective, just to give them more time to either wake up and know what they need to be doing, um, or for them to, uh, you know, have a chance to fail, you know, and give them more time so that way they can study. Cause we really want them all to pass because mm-hmm. every department is asking for more people. I'm sure every, every day they're wanting more people. Uh, and so we don't want to take that away, but we also don't want to deliver a bad no, product. That's, that's a great way to great way to answer that. I kind of surprised you with that question, but <laughs> that's a good answer. You know, there are students that kind of gravitate towards specific roles on the on the fire ground when we're doing live fire training or, or any of the evaluation elements. But what we do is we send them through extra rounds of that evaluation and then they fill the different roles so we know that they at least know how to perform those objectives. Um, but naturally, we tend to gravitate towards the things that we're good at and we just try to get them outside their box a little bit on the during the, the practice rounds, if you will. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you guys think the biggest difference is with the academy now as compared to when you guys went through? So generally the the course material has has stayed relatively the same. Um, The order of things has obviously changed and the NFPAs have evolved. So with that, we've added new requirements as we go through the courses. Um, But the big difference for me, I think, is um, all the new technology that we're applying to the courses. you know, we get new ARF trucks in all the time. So I know that they're trying to get some new vehicles in to get them more familiar with those, like the new P19 that just came out. I think they just got one over there. Um, 
Also, in uh, suppression, they're they're upgrading the dispatch center. I was on that project for a little while, and I, I, as soon as I moved sections, then I passed that on to somebody else. But um, I don't know, Cody. What other things are they doing over in suppression that's different? Yeah, so we definitely, you know, things have changed. When when I went through, we did I think it was three hundred foot hose pulls, whereas now, but it was with a five inch hose. No, excuse me, it was a two and a half or three inch back then. And now they do a 200 foot hose pull, but it's with a five inch hose. So there's a little bit of difference there. Uh, we do have some new trainers being built right now. We, like he said, that telecom trainer we were having built right now. And also EMR, you know, EMRs had a lot of changes, most of it because of that national registry, but they uh, should be getting some pretty good quality medical training right there in the beginning. And, and do Air Force firefighters teach EMR? guys like you or is it is it kind of do they do we lean on civilians for that or can the military guys teach that no so every one of our courses is pretty much mixture of all the branches and civilians mixed in there as well cool yeah so a little a few changes uh probably a, a lot of the similarities too i guess you can expect that with time uh so so what, what kind of firefighter am i receiving day one it's going to be a functional firefighter or are they going to need a little bit of work are they going to need a little bit more training? What should I be prepared to expect? So you should expect the exact same kind of guy that graduated from the fire Academy um, right when you first started. Right. So we train everybody to the, to the NFPA standards, to the, to the three level. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's kind of up to you guys to, to take the reins from there, but we try to get them a good, baseline uh, knowledge set to where you can expand upon that when they get to the fleet. They're basic firefighters. We shouldn't be expecting yeah. them to be, you know, advanced level or seasoned or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They have pretty much the bare basic uh, to hopefully be able to get out there and, and ride a truck when they get there, but they're going to need a lot more hands-on training and a lot more experience. Yeah. And again, that's probably the same as it was, like you said, Jeff, 10 years ago, uh, when we came in, we need the same kind of training and, We've since developed a rookie book in fire protection that hopefully gets after that a little bit, uh, but it comes down to people like you and I executing on the floor for the airmen to be successful. So let's start talking about instructor life. Kind of curious to know what it's like as an instructor. I'm sure it's more than just teaching. So can you guys kind of share with us what kind of extra duties you have as an instructor? Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty much just like a normal squadron here. We still have all the, you know, the additional squadron stuff that has to be accomplished for the Air Force. Uh, we do have the other branches that are with us, so that makes it a little bit more unique. And with the addition of all the uh, uh, civilians that we have, too. Uh, for those of you wondering, Mr. Bear is still here. Uh, if, if you, I'm pretty sure I think Mr. Hebert is one everyone <laughs> seems to know. Uh, he was here when I came through like 13 years ago. Uh, there's quite a few other older civilians that have been around for a while. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great environment. So do you find that that's taxing on your duties as an instructor? Do you have enough time to take care of everything? It's really just like when you work at the regular fire department, it's just, you know, you're working a, a nine to five kind of job and the extra duties, they're, they're the same ones that you would do at a regular squadron, but they're, they're bigger now. Right. Cause you've got, you know, 400 something students you have to worry about if you're on the safety program or the, you know, the security program. And, you know, you just got to think bigger on those. So it's, it's a little challenging to kind of wrap your head around and there's a lot more 
um, social interaction with the programs than than you normally would in a, at a smaller base. Um, but otherwise, we we do have enough time to where we can get out and, and take care of things. It's just it's just like anything, man. It's all about balancing it out the right way. And um, you know, obviously, the students come first, and um, but we have enough instructors to where we can kind of have a backup for every single program we have at the schoolhouse. Are you guys required to go to the squadron or the dormitory and do standbys there at any point? Yeah. So there are times where the MTLs do need us to help out with the, in the dorms for their situation. You know, there's only a few, you know, a small handful of MTLs that are in each building. And so, or I guess I should say within each squadron. And sometimes uh, they do ask for us to help out, and it's it's essentially you're you're just kind of giving a little bit of extra backbone to those airmen who are pulling CQ duty. If an airman shows up late and they're uh, maybe a little feeling intimidated or anything like that with reporting or anything, you're there so that way uh, they can have that like NCO authority um, to deal with any issues that come up or any uh, emergency situations. We've had plenty that have had to deal with calling the ambulance because uh, an airman falls and hurts himself or something like that. So, right. You know, I mentioned that there was, you know, it was 400 something students on there, about roughly 270 of them are air force kids. So one of the things that we end up helping the MTLs out a lot with too, is like the, the PT program. Um, so, you know, you can imagine, you know, two MTLs and they don't really use like when you went through, you probably went under, worked out under that overhang right outside the dorms. Mm-hmm. Is that yep. what you were used mm-hmm. to? Yeah, so now um, we bring it to the fire academy, uh, and we that way we can kind of utilize some some firefighter tools, maybe for PT or just kind of it gives us a little more more wiggle room to to do different stuff. Um, so, but you could imagine trying to trying to coordinate 270 students on the on the training pad at oh, once yeah. to to work out. So we usually dish out a couple instructors every PT session to help out with that too. So you're saying that you bring them over to the academy and you do firefighter type PT. We try to do that about once a week, I'd say. That's pretty legit. And what does that entail? Yeah. Like, what are you having them do? Obviously, you can't put everybody in gear. No, we can't put everybody in gear. Um, and we can't have them um, masking up or doing, you know, air conservation drills or anything like that. So we have a couple of Kaiser sleds out in the high bay. Um, so they've been learning how to use those. Um, but otherwise, um we pull out a couple sections of hose and they can practice pulling that, or we've got a million flights of stairs that they can run up and down. Um, some of the lighter dummies, you know, that they, they've been pulling the heavier ones all day in training. So we just kind of work on their technique a little bit with uh, like the, the hundred pounders and um, some minor tasks like that, that are a little more taxing when they're out. So is it like a circuit is there like go, go to whatever you want to work on and kind of do your own thing or are they constantly moving? Generally speaking, it's a, it's a circuit. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you get a good workout. Usually it's like eight. Yeah. Usually it's about eight or nine different workout stations. So they're not all firefighter tasks. Some of it is working on like their sit-ups and push-ups and making sure they meet the, the Air Force standards too. Um, but generally speaking, that's what it looks cool. like. And they also participate in PT led by MTLs throughout the week or led by PTLs that's within, correct. The, within the unit. Right. So if you could imagine breaking the 270 students up in like three different groups, and usually it's just by floor. Um, one day they'll, they'll go on like a mile and a half run and do like a, a mock PT test. 
And then the next PT session will be like a sprint stay for that floor. And then on that third PT session, that's when they'll do the firefighter circuit. And that way they're not all in one spot at once. Yeah, it makes sense. And do you guys participate in PT or are you required to participate in PT? Yeah, so there's instructor PT every Tuesday afternoon. Uh, right now with all the restrictions going on with social distancing, it's all kind of um, put a lot of things on hold. But yes, we have PT as instructors on Tuesdays. And then, like I said, a couple of guys go out and help with student PT a couple times a week as well. So I didn't get get into it earlier. I wanted to touch on uh, how many students and in the past rate. Do you have that info? Yeah, so... Um, the numbers we're seeing right now is about thirteen to fourteen hundred students. That's uh, total students coming through the academy annually. And last uh, number I heard was around about seventy percent pass rate. That's pretty low compared to what I've heard, or, or maybe I didn't. Maybe I was hearing wrong information. But that's uh, so it's pretty tough to get through, is what it sounds like. Yeah, and like I said, a lot of those failures that we do have are going to be in the EMR section. Really, they. they that test gets them a lot of uh, students, but then after they make it through EMR, I'd say we probably have uh, somewhere in the, in the roundabout of maybe like one out of every 15, maybe one out of 20 uh, doesn't make it all the way through. Yeah. And that's a pretty healthy number. It sounds right. Sounds to me. Right. Cause like we said, we're, you know, we're not here to try to fail anybody or really as an instructor, it's not even our job to decide who should be and who should not be here. It's really our job to teach them and evaluate them. Right. Uh, but those who don't make it, you know, that's, uh, it's actually a good thing for the career field because we don't leave really that bad product. So how many opportunities do they have to pass the EMR test? I believe the current numbers, I mean, I don't teach over there, but they have, they can have three failures in EMR alone. Okay. And then after they get through EMR, their failure count kind of like resets. And then for the rest of the academy, they can have five failures. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they're, they're given ample opportunity for you to pass that then. Yes. The Air Force has done everything they can to make sure that yeah. hey, these guys need to pass and get to their yeah. bases. It's just not meant for you if you can't pass it on the fourth try. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. I haven't, I haven't taken the test. I'm an EMT, so I haven't taken the test. I haven't had the, the luxury of taking that test, but uh, sounds tough, man. Sounds tough. So we said one out of every 15, if they make it through EMR, do you guys see a trend on, on anything that's particularly tough? No, uh, especially in suppression. Usually when they get to suppression, they usually have, those individuals usually already have a couple failures uh, throughout fundamentals. But I would say, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It's either uh, test failures or just they missed a safety critical item on an evaluation. It can be as, you know, as easy as that. Mm-hmm. Do you see people struggle physically at all? A lot of the, the spots where students struggle on is the, the fundamentals course. Um, when they actually get out on the training pad and they start dragging dummies. So one of the things that I didn't mention earlier was they moved. You remember how... Um, we went through, they used to drag the dummies in the high bay on the, the slick surface. And that's where you learn all your techniques. Well, now they learn it inside one of the structures uh, with carpet in there, because generally speaking, when you find somebody, it's, it's probably going to be on a carpeted surface. So getting them used to that um, and actually um, picking up the dummies and dragging them on a, a surface that kind of grabs on things. Um, that's kind of a, a wake up call for them. And a lot of that is also um, geared towards, um, some of the stuff that we're we're doing with PT as well, 
So like I said, working on the dummies, like picking it up and the technique. So hopefully by the time they get to that, um, they already kind of know what to expect, at least a mm-hmm. little bit, or at least have the right technique when they're yeah, doing I it. I remember being able to, if you did your technique right on like the knuckle drag, man, you get that sucker to slide, you know, on the con- on the concrete. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, it, it right. makes sense to, I guess, mimic the conditions you're going to see in, in a real situation. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I guess that's just another example of how things kind of, they're small changes over time. So it's not really that right. big of a difference, but it's it's a little bit of a difference in it. An important change, it sounds like to me. So Jeff, going back to kind of interacting with the students at the dormitories, you mentioned to me that you do a flag ceremony. Can you explain what that's about? Sure. Um, so I'm in charge of the troop walk here at the school. That's one of my additional duties. And, you know, it's it's getting hot out. And I was just exchanging some of the service flags by myself one day. And I was like, you know what, this is this is a lot of work by myself. So I'm, I'm going to get some of the airmen to come help me out, you know? Um, and then I thought, you know, what a cool opportunity uh, for the ropes to come out and maybe build something that, that they'll remember for the rest of their careers. So, and so for the, if the people that don't understand what ropes are, can you explain what ropes are? Sure. The ropes are the, the airmen leaders, right? So that they have just did all the different color ropes, like the yellow ropes, the, the red ropes and, um, generally speaking, there's some of the, the airmen that the MTLs can lean on to kind of help enforce standards um, and kind of keep keep uh, keep track of the well-being of all the other airmen. So, yeah, so I worked with some of the other MTLs and one of the other instructors here at the academy, and we built this program where they come out and it's almost like that ALS or NCOA where we go and practice lowering or raising the flag. But in turn, they're actually coming out to the memorial site and they're taking care of the flags there. Um, and again, just kind of working on that that heritage piece and getting them, you know, with a better understanding of what it means to be a military firefighter. Yeah, it sounds like a great addition. And I know that there's a Military Fallen Firefighter Foundation, right? Is that how you say it? Or Military Heritage Foundation? That's right. It's the Military Firefighter Foundation. Do you guys have any involvement with that? I'm sure you do. Yeah, I uh, actually ran the scholarship program for them this last year. So um, that's another one of the cool opportunities as an instructor you can you can have is that's a, a unique thing to hear. Um, and I just kind of fell into it being in charge of the troop walk. And then I just started interacting with their their president, Mike Robertson, and um, just really have been enjoying working with those guys. Cool. Cody, I also understand that there's a uh, there's a mentorship program where instructors go and they speak with students kind of offline about expectations and what it's going to be like at their next base. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So each class pretty much gets put into their own little mentorship group as soon as they get started in classes. And it's a 12 week program. They have a couple different instructors assigned to each mentorship group. And we try and talk to them and just mentor them, you know, about all kinds of different air force and fire department stuff they're going to need for their career. Cool. And Jeff, you're part of that too, right? That's right. Um, I'm actually one of the the managers for that program. And another thing that we have on that is we teach them some some expeditionary skills, too, or just kind of get them familiar with it. Um, like the J-List gear, we uh, we have a set of that and we have one of the students actually put put it on just to kind of see what it looks like and move around. And they can uh, kind of just think outside the box, I guess, out of outside of firefighting. And it kind of adds that military firefighter piece to it. Um, 
And I know we've talked a lot about PT. That's something also that we do with them, like small group PT sessions with them um, to really focus on some of those skills that they struggle with out on the pad. Um, you know, but we talk about them. We talk to them about anything ranging from, from finance to, you know, MPF problems and how to, how to be successful when you get to your first base, how to basically how to start off on the right foot when they get to, to base X. I mean, that's, that sounds like an awesome thing. And you know, listening to you talk about it, I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't always existed. Yeah. So it has existed for a few years, um, since before, uh, before I got here. Um, but it's really kind of taken shape over the last, uh, year and a half, I'd say. Cool. Yeah. I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's helping. It sounds like all these changes that you guys mentioned, they sound like great changes and, we're heading in a really good direction with the Academy. So I wanted to talk about coronavirus impact. I know that it's impacting everybody across the world and it's impacting the fire departments across the air force and the department of defense. I'd imagine it's also impacting you guys. So I'm curious to know what a new normal looks like for you guys. Yeah. So we have had to take the CDC guidelines into account for us. We're trying to maintain that six feet of distancing throughout the day whenever possible. Uh, We're trying to, students and instructors wearing masks instead of uh, like when we all went through everybody gathered up in the high bay every morning and you know there was just a hundred firefighters split up into all their classes now you don't see that it's it's not quite a ghost town but only those students who are having outside objectives and they need to meet outside in, in bunker gear you know they're out there waiting on the instructor those will be outside in the morning everyone else is reporting uh, straight to their classrooms and then when they go on and do take their breaks throughout the day, they actually, they can go out to the snack shack and everything, but then they're going to come right back in, into the classroom. What about masks during training? I mean, are they, obviously they're probably having to, you said they have to comply with all the CDC guidelines. So I imagine masks everywhere they're walking. Right. So when they're out marching around base, they're going to be wearing that mask. Yeah. When they're in the training environment, they're going to be wearing that mask. Obviously, unless their SCBA is on, then they can take it off. But other than that, they're pretty much going to be wearing that mask throughout the day. I remember a big part of tech school was, you know, walking in a straight line down the right side of the hallway or marching in our little flights back to the dormitory. Are they having to keep like six feet away? I mean, are these super long lines now? Yeah, so that's one thing that we we have kind of had to change up a little bit. And the students are now, they may not necessarily all go as a whole class all at one time because of what you said. It's just going to be a long line. But when they are, they're, they're kind of more separated now instead of being, you know, marching alongside each other like little ants around. <laughs> and what about the classroom adjustments? I mean, are, are we spreading seats apart and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, they're they're trying to space students out as much as possible, obviously, um, to include they've repurposed a lot of the advanced course classrooms to give students more space. I know the the fire inspector classroom, it, it is really open. so. I know that the the ARF guys have used my class quite a lot lately and just to give them that space in between, you know, I recently redid my CPR certification. So I sat through a class and there was only 10 people in the whole classroom um, and you had to have a mask on the whole time. And then if you want to take a sip out of your gallon jug, you pull it down and then take a sip and put the mask right back on. And then that was, that was pretty much it. And then, um, you know, it was a very, uh, sterile environment in there right yeah so that's some other things that we're doing is 
the advanced courses are shut down right now. So all of those instructors from that area have kind of been readjusted elsewhere in the academy. So that way they're still getting their hours teaching in. Some of them are helping out the MTL. So that way they can kind of socially distance a little bit better as well. But the casuals, they've also uh, been asked to really step up and they uh, sanitize the doorknobs and all the frequently touched objects throughout the schoolhouse multiple times a day. Have you guys seen an impact on effectiveness of training at all? I mean, a lot of what we do, we need to get close together. And then you talk about CPR and having to use kind of the same mannequin to learn how to do CPR on. Is there kind of a loss and is there a loss in effectiveness of training? I know I already yeah, said that. So, so far, training hasn't been negatively impacted. Uh, we've been able to find ways to adapt to it and adjust where we can, maybe make smaller groups or try to space things out as much as we can when we're in the mask and then sanitize and everything else that we can. So do you guys look forward to your time coming to an end there? I mean, you look forward to get back to your, getting back to a base and doing what we do here, whatever we do here in Air Force Fire Departments? I'm really enjoying it here so far. You know, I'm, I'm only halfway through my tour and, um, you know, just the, the professional uh, challenges that I've faced and the, the opportunities that I've been given to um, excel in, in my own personal training and uh, personal growth has been awesome. So I'm looking forward to spending the next two years here and just, uh, just keeping going. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying it here too. This is probably one of the, one of the better experiences I've had in the air force. It's a really great opportunity, you know, to mold the next generation of firefighters. It is now only a three-year tour. You know, they recently changed that at the, or actually just about a year ago today. And so if there's anybody out there that's considering being an instructor, it is a really great opportunity. You can really learn a lot. Uh, it's a great environment. It's well-structured. You're going to usually be home every night with your family. Uh, it's kind of a nice break from riding the trucks all the time. But I would say I definitely do miss riding those trucks. Uh, I mean, there's just something about being a firefighter that, when you're not doing it, you're really going to miss it. But in a sense, we still got to do most of the uh, other fun stuff throughout the day. Yeah, well, I'm sure it'll come soon enough, man. I mean, the way time flies, and if you're enjoying it as much as you are, it's going to fly even quicker. So, well, I appreciate your guys' time. Uh, thanks for filling us in on some of the changes that have happened at the Fire Academy and what life is like. I know that a lot of our listeners are going to appreciate that. And, and some of the people that may be interested in being instructors now, now they know what to expect when they sign up. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the fire dog podcast. You can find more content just like this regularly posted to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the fire dog podcast. That's facebook.com forward slash the fire D a W G podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate review and share this podcast with your friends and coworkers. This is host Matt Wilson with guests Jeffrey Van Rees and Cody Simpson. Until next time, stay safe.